Hello and welcome to The Pulse. In this week's show, are whistleblowers like Edward Snowden and WikiLeaks a public service or a menace to society? And the release of mainland Chinese activist Tan Zuren. But first, as you may know by now, Legislative Council President Jiang Yuxing is to lead a delegation to visit Shanghai next weekend. Legislators are to have a half-day meeting with Wang Guangya, the director of the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office of the State Council, as well as seeing Li Fei, the chairman of the Hong Kong Special Administrative Region Basic Law Committee, and they'll see Zhang Xiaoming, the director of the Liaison Office. The topic they want to discuss is Hong Kong's political development. All 43 of the pro-establishment legislators quickly agreed to join the Shanghai delegation. Lam Bok Hung was the first of the pan-democrats to apply. Later, after the application deadline on Tuesday, another 11 democratic legislators agreed to join the trip. After a meeting on Thursday night, the Democratic Party announced that members Helena Wong and Xin Chong Gai will also go. We know this is not a negotiation. We just go up there to, we hope, to commence the dialogue. And my two colleagues will tell the Beijing officials to come to Hong Kong as soon as possible to hear the views of legislators of civil society and so that they really will understand how keen the Hong Kong people would like to have genuine election in 2017. While some pan-democrats have requested an individual meeting with central government officials, three democratic legislators have vowed not to take part under current conditions. They voted against a motion on conducting a duty visit to Shanghai during a House committee meeting on Friday the 28th of March. I think the trip to Shanghai is politically and strategically de uh, divisive to pan-democratic political parties. The reason why I find it uh, divisive is because uh, the pan-democrats do not have a coherence and a concrete uh, proposal for uh, 2017 uh, chief executive uh, election. And uh, if there's no uh, bottom line and uh, concrete proposal, it's quite difficult to uh, negotiate, uh, to discuss with the Beijing officials in Shanghai. I do believe Hong Kong people want all discussion to be uh, open and transparent. And uh, this, if these two conditions uh, can be fulfilled, uh, the people power is quite willing to attend any the meeting or the consultation session with the Chinese official, either in Hong Kong or even in Beijing. This isn't the first time pan-democratic legislators have joined the Legislative Council delegation to the mainland. In September 2005, democratic legislators visited the Pearl River Delta. While there, they were able to express their views on the fight for universal suffrage to former secretary of CPC Guangdong Provincial Committee, Zhang Dejiang. The visit took place less than a month before the release of the fifth report of the Constitutional Development Task Force. In 2010, just five Democratic Party legislators joined a LegCo delegation to the Shanghai Expo. The so-called five-district referendum was held a week later. The pan-democrats were united in voting down proposals for the 2007 constitutional reforms, but they were split on the issue of the 2012 reforms. 
eight Democratic Party legislators did vote for the government's constitutional reform package after a private meeting with the liaison office. This led to other pan-Democrats accusing them of capitulation and did the party considerable harm among voters. But many pan-Democrats remain pessimistic about the 2017 reforms. We are afraid that uh, uh, the same, the very same mistake will make by the Democratic Party. First, to have a closed-door negotiation with Beijing officials and um, and, and the second, they will uh, give their critical vote uh, to the government to pass, a, to pass a, a political reform package, which, is, which will not help Hong Kong people to, uh, to win the implementation of uh, universal suffrage. I'm quite pessimistic uh, regarding, you know, to the pandemic, regarding the pandemic, uh, you know, United stand against uh, the, the proposal, uh, you know, if uh, real democracy uh, is not to be achieved. Uh, but, I, but I do believe we need Hong Kong people uh, to come out uh, to fight for their right. And if, if you rely just on the, the you know, pandemic legislative councillor, yeah, I think they will be disappointed. On Wednesday this week, Bill Micah, a former covert operative for the Canadian government, gave a speech at the Foreign Correspondents Club on how and why public safety has been compromised by allegedly reckless disclosures by digital anarchists masquerading as whistleblowers. This is contentious stuff. Well, Bill Micah is with us in the studio now. Let me ask you um, right now, I mean, what damage do you say has been done? Well, I think there's been a, a great deal of damage that you know, we may not even be aware of just yet or, or something that's not been disclosed. From my personal uh, perspective and, and experience, there's, there's been reams of data that have been provided uh, primarily through the WikiLeaks, uh, if we deal with that specifically, with a lot of those uh, cables. You know, there's somewhere north of a million, I believe, if not more, uh, released. Within those cables, there's, there would be uh, seemingly benign information that dealt with uh, commercial contacts uh, involving embassy staff, uh, diplomatic staff doing uh, various uh, duties. The reality is uh, what I used to be involved in was setting up covert infrastructure. Uh, especially in the post 9-11 climate, uh, there became an awareness that there needed to be uh, robust uh, uh, backstopping and, and covert infrastructure to protect our people operating globally. Uh, in covert roles. Okay, but let me stop you there. I mean, what you're saying, incidentally, is exactly what the State Department says. A lot of damage has been done, but when they've been asked, and I'll ask you the same question, so what is the damage? I mean, we haven't seen actual concrete examples of the damage that's allegedly been done. Well, you know, that's a, that's a, a disingenuous uh, argument, and, and, and I'll tell you why. Uh, the, the, the very act of acknowledging who, where, or what uh, has been compromised will exponentially uh, increase the risk to all those other people on the periphery. What people don't understand is governments uh, set up, uh, do more than just put people into an undercover environment uh, to do work. They have witness source witness relocation programs, they have families relocated, they have a need to, to pay informants, people who are cooperating, especially in, in countries where uh, it's not a good thing to be seen cooperating with the authorities. 
So there have to be mechanisms, uh, and in some cases business enterprises, set up and established to provide a layer of protection to this entire apparatus. And so within that apparatus, there would have been work done that would have gone through in, in classified documents and in information that on the surface by itself uh, looks benign. But when brought together into a concerted effort, it lays out a totally different picture. And one of the things that the publications, primarily the New York Times and the Guardian for that matter, say is that when they had this material, they just didn't release it wholesale. They did due diligence on it. They did very careful checking to make sure that it wouldn't hurt people. Well, you know, that sounds good in, in theory and in principle, but then the comment I come back with is, who on the editorial board has the, the covert uh, background? How many of them on the editorial board actually understand the covert methodologies that we use to set up our infrastructure? The, but the they have the challenges of the in handling information. I mean, this is what journalists do. Right, but okay, let me ask you, uh, you know, how, how have you ever set up covert ID? Have you ever set that's up uh, bank accounts? That's not what journalists do. What journalists but, but do that's what, But that's what we do in the covert no, no, world. No, I know, but, but I mean, if you're to say that every piece of journalism, you can't report on buildings because you haven't built a building, you can't report on food because you haven't run a restaurant, that's the whole information industry dead tomorrow. Well, I'm, I'm not saying that at all. No, all what I'm, you're all saying is what I'm if saying you is haven't been a covert operative, you can't possibly handle this information. What I'm saying is if you want to be a responsible journalist, then if you're going to report on information, you should know all facets and both sides of the story. Mm. Just going, you know, one of the, the great challenges is that there are many people in government who don't understand uh, how, how these operations are set up and, and the detail that goes into it. The digital age is moving so fast that government can barely keep up. And, and what, what is the bottom line when we set this up? Protect the life of the undercover officer. Well, hopefully that will happen. Thank you very much indeed. And we'll be back after the break. Welcome back. Last week, mainland Chinese dissident Tan Zoren was released from prison after a five-year jail term. Tan was arrested on March 28, 2009 on charges of inciting subversion of state power because of essays he'd published criticizing the government verdict on the crackdown against the 1989 Tiananmen protests. But his supporters believe he was targeted because of his investigations into the collapse of school buildings during the 2008 Sichuan earthquake. On the 12th of May 2008, a magnitude 8 earthquake struck Sichuan. Once Tanzuaren had seen the ruins of the collapsed Beichuan Middle School, he couldn't forget it. He began his own investigations and kept track of the students who died in the rubble of the shoddily constructed buildings. In March of 2009, Tan was accused of inciting subversion of state power. 
At the Chengdu Municipal Intermediate People's Court, he was sentenced to five years in prison. Last week, Tan was released. His supporters were waiting for him to come out of jail.这是艾薇薇的我们今后可以统计吧。哎，居民房倒了多少？政府办公楼倒了多少？学校倒了多少？伤亡的数字，工人有多少？农民有多少？学生有多少？用数字说话。Tan had proposed a 512 student archive, asking people who'd lost their children in the quake to set up a victim database appealing to the public to demand an inquiry into their deaths and into why the school buildings had been so badly built. The pretext for his arrest was an article he'd previously written questioning the government verdict on the June the 4th incident. The arrest inspired human rights activists in many areas to continue the quest to discover the names of the students who had died. Ahead of Tan's release, human rights activists from Hunan, Guangdong, Nanjing, and Ya'an came especially to celebrate with Tan's wife, Wang Jinghua, and prepare for his homecoming. Some were old acquaintances. Others hadn't even met Tan before, including Ye Du from Guangzhou. Chen Yunfei and Tan first met before the earthquake. They've since collaborated in various human rights movements. 
Their hope is simple, that the next generation can live in a just society. Kenzhen 而且他给我找到了一个玩的理由想你所爱的那个国家变得更美好。那你必须就要有牺牲的准备。言论不自由的话,那本来你就随时可能进去的。你既然要敢发言,你自己就要做好那个准备。我当家属的早就做好了一个准备了。Tan's wife, Wang Jinghua, has long psychologically prepared herself for a tough fight, but five years after the earthquake, even many of the parents of the students who died have given up the struggle to establish the responsibility of the authorities. Wang believes Tan won't be among those who will give up, even after his imprisonment. Yodayun On Thursday, the 27th of March, Tan completed his sentence and was officially released from prison. He's said to be somewhere in Chongqing, but his exact whereabouts and that of his wife is unconfirmed. Fellow activist Ran Yunfei has said he met Tan after his release, but refuses to elaborate. Other supporters are still waiting for news. <laughs> Tanzo 
你在这个国家里面，你只要坚持良心、良知和正义的话，是永远不会缺乏有人去关注他们，让他们不会给世人所遗忘的。小萌，爸爸没还没回来？还没有。啊。今天早上我起来就看见他不在了，我以为他去接爸爸了，但是电话也打不通。啊，我觉得这个国家是这样的，就是对上面不利的事情那就要打压，蛮正常的。我虽然很支持他这样，但是我觉得，嗯，平民百姓还是只有忍了吧。像他这样子，就只有吃苦的份了。我就当是他明天回来吧，明天在家里面等他。We'll see you at the same time next week. Until then, goodbye. Riders on the storm. Riders on the storm. Into this house we're born. Into this world we're thrown. Like a dog with.